Welcome to another edition of Mormon Expression. I'm your host, Tom Perry, tonight. Um, and today's show, I'm kind of excited about. Um, I've got two guys on with me that uh, have not been on Mormon Expression before. And first, I'll, I'll start off with my co-host or my interview co-host guy, uh, Al. Welcome to Mormon Expression, Al. Thanks for joining me, man. Hi, I'm uh, really excited to be here tonight with you. Al is uh, is not naive to Mormon Expression. He's been a longtime listener and a fan, and he's also a contributor over at Mormon Expression Blogs. Why don't you take Why don't you take a few minutes, just real briefly, Al, and uh, and kind of give us a background of yourself? Sure. So uh, uh, I've been a member uh, all of my life. Um, uh, come from good pioneer stock on both sides of my family. Uh, uh, people part uh, part of the part of membership since uh, almost the fundamental parts of uh, foundations of Mormonism. I went on a mission, uh, and I was married to am married to my wife uh, of 15 years, and she's still very believing. Um, and I've recently kind of fallen away from, I still attend church on a, on a regular basis and I, I still plan to, but, uh, I no longer believe in that is mostly due to the guest that we have on this evening, uh, Brian Dunning, and uh, he's also known as, as the skeptoid. So, uh, we'll introduce, uh, uh, Brian and bring him in. Brian? Is that my cue? That's Hi. your cue. <laughs> Brian Dunning. So, uh, Brian is an author of uh, several fictional and nonfiction books, uh, a software developer, an avid volleyballer, pilot, car racer, jeeper, sailor, uh, <laughs> and likes to drink uh, beer and watch TV. Uh, that all comes off of his uh, website, so I, I just yeah, wholeheartedly just wow. Stop. I might need to revisit that website. Yeah, <laughs> maybe we should that ask you what we should ask you what you don't do, Brian. <laughs> um, I don't surf. I'm the only guy in my neighborhood who doesn't surf. <laughs> I, I have a healthy respect for sharks in the ocean, and so I don't go in. <laughs> but uh, one thing that Brian is is uh, most famous for is. Uh, his pod probably is uh, most famous for is his podcast called Skeptoid, uh, a critical analysis of pop phenomenon, and his uh, work in the skeptical community. Uh, Brian has just recently come off of his 250th episode, and uh, is one of the big reasons I've I changed my ideas about Mormonism. So, uh, really interested in uh, hearing his story. Uh, he has some uh, background in uh, uh, Mormonism as well. So, so anything you want to add other than a non-surfer there, Brian? <laughs> yeah, well, I'm I'm basically a science journalist, and uh, my my podcast, Skeptoid, as you mentioned, it's uh, generally one of the higher uh, higher rated podcasts in the science sections of iTunes. Uh, 250 episodes, and I do uh, a different short subject each week. Uh, it, generally, things in popular culture that people uh, people believe that's not true includes urban legends, all kinds of conspiracy theories, alternative medicine, all kinds of stuff. Uh, I try to do something new and interesting each week that anyone can enjoy, whether you have a background in the science or not. So it's a fun show. Yeah, I, I've totally enjoyed every every one of them so far. Um, 
So can you get we're going to jump right in and can you give us a little bit of background on uh, your involvement with uh, Mormonism? Yeah, I was uh, my family was uh, my mom was always uh, and and still is uh, very Christian and for a while she was trying to get our family interested in some kind of a church and I I guess the the, the only one that kind of stuck was uh, was the Mormon church. We had some some family friends who were who were into it, and they kind of got her into it. And uh, so I was dragged kicking and screaming to church every <laughs> Sunday. To this day, I cannot dress up in nice clothes on a Sunday because I'm terrified that someone <laughs> might think I'm going to church. <laughs> that's, that's the psychological damage that I've heard. <laughs> um, I, I, I was just, I had no problem with, with Mormons per se. I was never a believer. Um, I always thought religious beliefs were silly. Um, and, uh, so I was just kind of forced to go against my will. However, I, I did make great friends in the church and, um, I, I went to BYU for a year. I got, uh, they gave me some, uh, full scholarship. And so I went there for my freshman year. I had a great time. I skied a lot, $8 lift tickets at Sundance from the Morris Center. Um, <laughs> uh, that was nice. And, um, <laughs> I had some friends with cars, so we got around, had a good time. Um, and, uh, a lot of, uh, Good girlfriend experiences there. I had a, <laughs> yeah. I had a very typical college experience. Um, and by the time I got back home from my first year, I guess my mom had had some kind of a giant falling out with uh, with the local church ward, and and uh, they were no longer attending church. And so I kind of went to uh, from there on to UCLA, UC Irvine, and uh, kind of never never went back. Mm. So I am a I am a foreman. Uh, I am not a bitter one. Um, Simply because I I never really got into the doctrine so much. Sure. I mean, it was just a it was just a, a an association of friends for me. Yeah, and, uh, some of whom I'm still good friends with. So, do you think? Uh, uh, so, we're in Mormonism. We're big into records. Do you think that uh, we could still find your name on the list somewhere, and we could send the Mormons over to you, send some home teachers over? You probably can. I, I actually I actually have been baptized twice. Um, <laughs> really? Yeah, I was. Um, I guess when I was a little kid, when my family first joined, um, I guess I was junior high or something along there. Uh, I was baptized normally along with the whole family. And then I guess it must have been after after my time at BYU, um, I got back in touch with uh, with some, some friends who were attending film school in Los Angeles uh, with me. And um, I just became good friends with them and for some reason ended up getting kind of re-baptized because I had... I had left the church for a year or two in the interim, and it, it come to think of it, I, I don't know why I went through and got rebaptized. That seems, that seems yeah, odd. I guess I must, odd. Had, I must have had some kind of a relapse or something. We had, the year that I was that I was at BYU in Provo, um, at that age, um, I think hormones are probably the most powerful influence on sure. the body. Sure. And <laughs> so I I think I did get pretty into it for a while for the sake of a girl, and. Um, I had a, I had an episode of that once uh, where I decided I liked country music for a little while and <laughs> <laughs> nice parallel. <laughs> so yeah, so I'm sure I'm, I'm sure I'm in the record. Some someone someone's got two two baptism records for me. And they're looking at them going, "What the heck?" <laughs> but seriously, Brian, the whole time that you kind of were raised in the church, sort of. You went to BYU. You never really kind of grasped the doctrines or the religion or the beliefs. You just, you were just kind of always a skeptic at heart, always. 
Oh, I, I think I grasp the doctrines. I mean, um, you know, you can't go to BYU without getting the general story. I mean, you have to take the religion classes and all that. Um, and, you know, I had been, like I say, I had been dragged kicking and screaming, so I had been going to church for, I don't know, six or eight years. So I, I, I certainly understood everything about it, um, but uh, I was, I think I was always, except for, you know, a few relapses, uh, I, I was always skeptical of any kind of religion. I mean, it didn't, it wasn't, it wasn't just Mormonism and the whole, the whole Joseph Smith story and the whole Book of Mormon story. It was religion in general just seemed to be, to be very goofy. So you never, you never really had that moment where you're like, yeah, I think I'm going to stop believing now. (laughs) You were just kind of always, it was kind of a downhill gradual thing for you. You just kind of slid your way out. Yeah, I never had a, I never had a, I never had the moment you're talking about. No, I never like reflected and looked at the belief system and found contradictions and said, intellectually, I can no longer do this. I know people who have that story. Um, I wasn't one of them. I was, I was, I was never there to begin with. So I, you know, I never really had the, had the moment to confront. So Brian, let me ask you, so what do you, if you were to label yourself now, would you label yourself uh, agnostic, uh, atheist, agnostic, atheist, deist. Well, the, the the word you just mentioned, label, is the reason I don't do that because right. any of those labels means different things to different people. I, I simply say that I'm religious, irreligious. I, I say non-religious, non-religious. I, yeah, I, uh, and if someone someone wants to call me an atheist, an agnostic, whatever they want to say, uh, you know, that's their word, not mine. Mm-hmm. Because I I used to I used to tell people I was an atheist. And I found that most people hear that and they think that you run around with babies on pitchforks um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, trying to convert religious people into disbelief, which I don't do at all. Mm-hmm. I, I very much have a little let live. People want to believe whatever they want to believe. That's fine. Whatever floats your boat. Um, so I'm not out trying to convince anyone to disbelieve anything. I'm simply non-religious myself mm-hmm. and uh, and quite happy being there. So, uh, but you label yourself as a skeptic. So, can you, for those uh, out there who may not have heard of skepticism or the skeptic movement, um, what uh, yeah. can, you, can you give us uh, some words about what a skeptic is? Yeah, I, I, I no longer. I, I did label myself skeptic for the first few years that I was doing my show, and I've kind of gone away from that. And again, for the same reasons, it's because the word skeptic has. Such a negative connotation. Yeah. I'm a science journalist. I'm not trying to be evil about anything. I'm not trying to tell anyone that they shouldn't believe this. I'm trying to bring the wonders of science to people, um, and that's that's an inherently positive message. And the words skeptic and atheist are inherently negative. Um, and I don't I don't I don't roll that way, and I don't like to be perceived as rolling that way. Mm-hmm. So I don't label myself a skeptic. It's tough because the name of my show is Skeptoid, right. <laughs> but. If I could go back in time, I would probably choose a different name for the show. So, yeah, what what skepticism is from my perspective? It's scientific skepticism. It's it's the intersection of this is a great definition that a friend of mine made up. It's the intersection of science education and consumer protectionism, helping people to understand the facts of the way the world works for real, so that they don't get ripped off and they can make better decisions about the way they live their life. And that's why it covers all things like alternative medicine and conspiracy theories so well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, e- even going as far as uh, you know, ghost stories and uh, ur- urban legends like you might see on 
Mythbusters and things like this. All the stories that you heard about, gee, that was really weird. You know, what's the Sargasso Sea all about? And what's Bigfoot all about? And what about this uh, Betty and Barney Hill UFO story? What actually happened with those? So I, I just, I am thrilled with search for knowledge and finding things out. And I love to research those and find out what actually happens. And I try to bring the appreciation for the real facts to people through my show. So it's, it's very much not about a negative message that people would usually associate with the words skepticism and atheism. Mm. Well, yeah. how, how do you feel? I mean, because I've, I've listened to quite a few of your shows. I, I'll just go ahead and get it out of the way right now. I think you do a phenomenal job with your podcast. Absolutely phenomenal. I would, I would highly recommend that podcast, by the way, skeptoid.com. Um, but you, as far as I can tell, you haven't touched on religion much. You do hit on these more... I guess real or real important topics. I guess ghosts don't really count, but uh, sometimes you yeah. take topics that cause a lot of people problems, like um, I don't know, like homeopathy or uh, some sure. of the herbal That's a sacred cow. Yeah, um, but you hit those topics, but you don't hit religion much. Um, so when you come on a podcast that's about Mormonism, do you just kind of roll your eyes like, "Ugh, this has got to be the worst one to no, talk"? No, not at all. Not at all, because I, I love talking to people, whether they're religious or not. I love, you know, trying to share the fun that I have with uh, learning about science. I try to share that with everyone. So I'm, I'm happy to talk with any audience, and I often do. I get invited onto paranormal podcasts and radio shows where they are fully ghost and UFO believers and everything else. Um, I, 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 I've spoken in front of religious audiences um, I, you know, it's, it, it runs the gamut for people who who I want to talk to. Um, I did in my in the early days of my show. I actually did go after religion in a few shows, um, and I attribute that. I wouldn't do it now. I attribute that to I was new to the whole scene myself, and I was trying to figure out what my show was going to be about because I didn't really know yet. And I just said, oh well, gee, Richard Dawkins and everyone, oh, they're all doing this. I guess I should do the same thing. Um, so that's why you'll find some religious episodes in my early shows, but it's not the kind of thing that I would do now. Um, they still have the transcript up on the website, but I've actually gone back to the second edition of, of the books, um, and I've actually taken those chapters out. Be again, because I don't want to offend people. I want people to you know, appreciate the fun and exciting positive episodes that I've done. I don't want them to be stuck on the negative episodes that I've done. Yeah, well... You know, frankly, I, I uh, appreciate it. So you have done two uh, on, on Mormonism yes. uh, in, in the past, and uh, I was just going to ask you, so why do you hate Mormons? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, 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 think there's, I think there's a fine distinction there, because the episodes are not about Mormonism per se. They're about very specific factual claims within Mormon doctrine. Yeah. Um, and, and, and in my mind, that does make them fair game for scientific inquiry. In neither one of those episodes do I say, hey, there's no such thing as God and you shouldn't believe in Mormonism. That's not my message at all. Mm -hmm. In fact, I think, I think that a, an honest, intellectual, religious person could fully embrace everything I say in both of these episodes and still maintain their, uh, their religious beliefs. Uh, that's, that's what I'm going for anyway. I'm not saying for sure that I succeeded, but that's what I'm going for. So I did one episode on the Mormon history of the Americas, and that specifically addresses the original claim that used to be in the Book of Mormon that's uh -huh. since been edited. 
that uh, the Book of Mormon was the history of the people, the people living in South America, the American population. And this, the other one was specifically about the Book of Abraham and its origins um, as having been allegedly translated from these Egyptian papyri. Uh, and those, were, those are both very addressable from a scientific perspective. And I got a lot of very positive feedback from Mormons on those, and I'm very proud that I got that. Um, I didn't really get any negative feedback from Mormons. And that's probably because, like, my sh like your show, probably a lot of Mormons don't listen my show. Uh, I wish they would. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, it, for me, um, so with, I started listening to uh, your podcast uh, when I was doing some really long commutes, and I, I was really getting into them, really liking them, and, and uh, I started writing with my wife, and she was listening, oh, yeah, this is great, yeah, I really taking on, you know, uh, these wacky medical beliefs and uh, 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 GMO, uh, genetically modified uh, foods, yeah. and uh, you know how, how they're really useful to us uh, as a pop as a populist. And so then, how did it go over when she heard my Mormon yeah, episodes? Then it, then we got to uh, the first one, Mormon History of Americas. And, you know, we had kind of heard that, you know, kind of all our lives. You know, I, I, I served a mission in, in uh, the South, and, you know, I'd heard about, you know, I just kind of, like everybody, and Tom had mentioned this before, you know, just put it on the shelf. You know, don't even worry about it. We'll figure it all out when we die, and, you know, God will let us, let us all figure out, you know, well, this is why we hid the DNA evidence from you, or whatever. Um, but it wasn't until the second one that you put out uh, did both of us kind of cringe a little bit more. Uh, and it was on this really long drives that I really started because I, I want to quote something from the, from your second podcast, the decrypting the Mormon book, uh, the uh, Mormon book of Abraham. All right. Uh, honest Mormons should have grave concerns over the church's Continued promotion of the claim provided to, oh, excuse me, continued promotion of a claim proven to be false. It's time for Mormons with intellectual integrity to demand the book of Abraham be reclassified as not divine inspiration and its authorship be properly assigned to Smith, Cowdery, and Phillips. Um, so it was, it was that line about, uh, being honest and and intellectually honest with myself, and that was when I finally came to the point of uh, looking at it and saying, "Man, uh, I've just been lying to myself about you know pre-Columbian horses and genes and and barley and the Book of Abraham, and you know it hurt all my life, and I just decided I've got to start being honest with myself, and so." It was that line that really kind of um, shook me up a little bit and, and, and pulled me out. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> no. Uh, Come on, Brian. Isn't that kind of your goal, really, when you were doing that? No, I, it is. Uh, it, it is. Uh, I, I often hear from people who say that uh, one, or, one episode or something changed their life or 
got their mom to stop using some alternative cancer therapy and go to a doctor. I, I get that all the time, and it's it just could not possibly be more uh, more thrilling and more rewarding to hear that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, I I, I, I appreciate that, and I'm. I'm humbled that you found it useful. But I, I think that it's uh, important to say that uh, you, you, especially I think it was in the first one, you went to great lengths to point out, you know, hey, no, you know, Mormons are great neighbors and they're great people to be around and, and everything like that. And, uh, you know, making sure that it, it didn't come off as though you were uh, necessarily attacking. And I, uh, that's a, uh, a good thing as well. Right. I wanted to. Um, Sorry, Al, go ahead. No, go ahead, go ahead. No, Tom, go ahead. I wanted to, I want to ask you, Brian, you'd mentioned that uh, those earlier podcasts where you do attack religion, and you wouldn't do that now. Why, why not now? I mean, did you feel like you kind of had an agenda early on, or do you feel like you've just kind of changed, or I don't want to say matured, but w- what's changed? Yeah, I think um, I'm, I'm not out to uh, attack anything. Uh, religion is something that exists outside of science. Uh, and in my opinion, and I'm more interested in science. My show is not about religion. My show is a science show. So I'm no more likely to talk about that than I am other irrelevant subjects. In the <laughs> early days, um, I, I guess a, a couple that I did that were, that were the closest ones to attacking religion um, was uh, one that I did about how to argue with a young earth creationist. Um, but that was, again, dealing with their horrible, horrible science claims um, and how to answer them one by one, point by point. And the other one was about, uh, about faith, and it was, it, was, it was about the people who are trying to prove the Bible, and, and that's the people who are going out in the des- desert and trying to find Noah's Ark and doing things like that, trying to archaeologically prove that the Bible is true. And my question was, Aren't you trying to marginalize faith by trying to prove that the Bible is true and the, the Bible is important because it requires faith? So that was kind of it was more of a philosophical episode, mm-hmm. um, and and that's also outside of what I've now decided my show is really about. So I mean I stand by it and I still agree with it, but it's probably not a subject that I would choose now. I, I, I liked that one actually myself the, the year one of yeah a lot of a lot of people did um, but it's it's not it's not the direction that I'm taking this show um, I because I think it would be hard for a fundamentally religious person to listen to that show and decide that they want to keep listening keep uh, keep subscribing to me and I want them to so sure. um, I'm I'm not going to stray into areas like philosophy or politics or religion where I'm going to turn off half my audience. Um, I want to have a show that everyone enjoys. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of the, one of the, some of the uh, episodes that I've really enjoyed are your, uh, uh, erratas that you put out from time to time where you lay out, uh, all the yeah. problems that you, all the mistakes you've made. Uh, yeah, you, you can't, you can't do so much research every single week and put out a show without making some errors. And I think it's important to acknowledge that and to come out and correct the errors when you can. Um, I mean, you've got to have some credibility. You've got to be able to admit when you're wrong and, and correct what, what, what needs to be corrected. So that's, that's, uh, that's an important part of doing science is uh, fixing the errors. That's the whole scientific method right there. Okay. So those shows are very important, and everyone seems to enjoy them. 
And that's the uh, one of the problems that uh, you know the church kind of has, right? Is they can't come out and admit that the Book of Abraham was based on misinterpretation <laughs> of the of the scrolls that, that had come out. You know. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I, I, in the episode, I could only guess what Joseph Smith had in his mind. I don't know if he was just if he knew he was just making stuff up and just pulling it out of an orifice somewhere, or if he honestly thought that he was translating these papers, which he may have thought. I don't know. Um, but that's that's not the point, is to try and get into his mind and try and make a judgment on what his motivations were. Mm-hmm. Uh, the point is that we now know definitively what those papyri are, and why should we? Why should anyone pretend that they mean something that they clearly don't? That's a science question. Right. Yep. So it's... It's finding it's finding the science question that's black and white that we can learn that we can test that we can know definitively, and um, there are some definitive problems with the Book of Abraham, like the entire thing. <laughs> so it it really does not belong um, in any book of scripture or, or or being claimed to be a divine inspiration because that's simply an indefensible scientific claim. Sure. What if? Yeah. How about? How about this? <laughs> while we're on the subject, what if the president of Leah's church approached you, Brian Dunning, said, "Yeah, I've seen what you've done. Um, it seems like you've got quite the team of researchers behind you. I assume you have a team of researchers, right, for each podcast, Brian? Um, not necessarily. Most of it I do myself, but I do have a uh, a Google group that I'll send out occasional questions to when there's something that." <laughs> <laughs> I can't find or something that requires real deep expertise, but okay. I don't use them every week. Sorry, I digress. But what if the what if the prophet of the of the current church came to you and said, um, "I'd like for you to to hear us out um, and then give us some advice." So, Brian, you seem like a smart guy. Uh, what advice would you give us as a church? What could make us successful in the future? What, what advice for, do you have for us? In terms of what to do with the Book of Abraham, or just in general? Well, let's let's start with. The I mean, book I'm not of the guy to be giving a church advice. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean, I think. Yeah, start I off. With, start off with the church would be. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I was talking start with the Book of Abraham. Yeah, start with the Book of Abraham, and then, and then if if you can, I mean, besides just say, okay, guys, fold up your doors, you know, close it down. I mean, do you have any different advice, maybe? Well. The the place to have that debate is is in the scientific literature and in the scientific community. If someone in the church wants to stick with a story that these were correctly correctly translated by Joseph Smith, whatever they want to do, then that that debate needs to happen in a scholarly arena. It needs to happen. They need to present their evidence. They need to publish it in journals. It needs to be peer reviewed. It needs to be replicated by other researchers. It needs to be endorsed. It needs to be tested. It needs to be put through the whole process. Um, that's how that process happens. If the ch- president of the church came to me and asked how they should deal with a science claim, that's what I would tell them to do. I wouldn't say, well, you know, do this or do that. Um, I shouldn't be part of that process at all. I'm basically just a journalist, and that's, um, that's something that needs to go through scientific channels. It has gone through scientific channels. Uh, we do know all of those answers already. So it's, it's really hard for them to, to do anything else. Um, go, switching gears to the, to, the, to the other episode, the Mormon history of the Americas, talking about the origin of the peoples of the American continents. Uh, you know, of course, the, 
they infamously made that one word change to the introduction to the Book of Mormon. They inserted the word some. This is the history of some of people of the Americas. Mm-hmm. And, and we just haven't found those one, that one group. That was really dangerous ground to tread on because, number one, it flies directly in the face of what every single prophet of the church has said in black and white in non-negotiable terms. Mm-hmm. They have all endorsed it as the history of the original people of the Americas. So that change, that was really thin ice for them to walk out on. It's like in for a penny, in for a pound. Are you going to go all the way or not? Are you just going to insert that one word and think you've done your duty? No. If you're opening the door to being able to change, to be open to changing and updating and correcting these scientific flaws that are in the material, you've got a lot of work to do. You can't stop there. I mean, you mentioned just a few of them, the types of grain, the metallurgy, uh, the species of animals. I mean, there's so much stuff that's demonstrably untrue that that book could not possibly be an accurate history of what happened in America. I'm not saying it's not important as a book of scripture. I mean, if someone wants to, maybe it was divinely inspired and, and all the stories are allegorical. I don't know. That's not a science question. I'm not saying the book needs to be gotten rid of. Uh, but <laughs> you can't call it a, a literal historical document and start making changes to it unless you're going to go all the way and correct it for mm-hmm. real. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I've recently, in my mind at least, been recategorizing a lot of the scriptures as maybe not literally true, but can inform us in our day-to-day life on you know how to be good people, sort of like uh, uh, if you've read the uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to uh, the Galaxy. Um, you know, it's... I'm not going to take it as literally true of all these events happening, but you can look at the events that happened in uh, in their lives as they went through these journeys, and you know, it tells a, a great story that we can learn sure. from. You know, sure. Yeah, I, I, I have no problem with that. Um, well, I mean, I, even saying that, it's like a you know. No, no church needs my permission to, to do anything, and nobody needs my permission to believe or they don't want to believe. But it makes it makes all the sense in the world for me to me for people to um, place that type of importance on a book of scripture. Um, but you 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 simply it, it requires too much cognitive dissonance to claim yourself to be a, a, an intelligent person who exists in the first world in the 21st century and consider any of those books, scripture, to be literal historical documents. Um, There's just too much contradiction there. Do you feel, I mean, we're obviously talking about Mormonism for obvious reasons, but do you feel the same sort of frustration towards religion as a whole, like all religions, or is there some religions you're a little more sympathetic towards? No, I'm not not non-sympathetic to to any religion. I Again, if you're talking about just the religion aspect of it. Um, But comparing the Bible to the Book of Mormon, for example, now the Bible was written 2,000 years ago, whenever it was written. And so it's not full of the gross Mm -hmm. historical errors. Um, It's probably made up of of a lot of stories that may or may not have happened, and it's full of all kinds of miracle things that, you know, we can't prove and we can't disprove. But, But there's no, you know... There's no erroneous metallurgy and, and genetics in it. The Book of Mormon is full of that stuff. Right. The Book of Mormon 
is of basically fraudulent authorship, and the Bible is not necessarily. We we can go find the architectural evidence uh, when it exists that that backs the the Bible verses. Well, except for I guess I guess for some of the Old Testament claims, those are up for debate, aren't they? Well, like supernatural ones, or no, uh, the historical ones, like uh, Noah. Noah. Jews in Egypt is a big one um, from uh, from Genesis, the whole thing, right. the, the whole Exodus story. Um, gosh, was it the Exodus story or was it the Genesis story? No, uh, uh, yeah, Exodus. I'm mixing my books there. Exodus. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that, that was another episode that I did, which was fascinating research, by the way. Uh, it was what is the actual history of the Jewish people and Egypt, and it's nothing at all like what's depicted in Exodus. There were no Jews in Egypt in any appreciable numbers, certainly not at the time when any of the great Egyptian works were being built. Um, the only Jewish settlement, the earliest Jewish settlement around, they were great allies to the Pharaoh, and um, they, in fact, had Egyptian slaves. So it's the, the, the truth of what happened with the, with the Jews and, and, and the Egyptians is you know, virtually upside down from how it's presented in the Bible. But... You know, at least there were Egyptians and there were Jewish people. The Book of Mormon just invents invents whole people. It invents nations and, and things that demonstrably don't exist. Do you find yourself going back to a little bit about uh, what Al was talking about, taking the scriptures or even the Book of Mormon as a metaphor or an allegory? Um, do you think that that's a safe thing? Um, do you do you would you encourage that? Like, if you came up to a, an active Mormon or an active religious person and they said, "Well, I can continue in my participation in my religion because I can take it as a meta- metaphor, and that brings me peace," uh, do you do you get just as frustrated with that approach as you do with like the fundamentals, the ones that literally thought all those things that happened in Scripture are true? No, I think that's a much more healthy way to go about it. I mean, I mean, there's people who base their lives on Star Trek, and <laughs> for whom Star Trek is, is a church. But they don't actually think that it's real. But they, they, might, they might well take certain philosophies. They can go through their lives wearing the uniforms. Fine. <laughs> but it, you know, as long as you're not actually believing that it's real, then you're still existing within our world. You know, you're, you, haven't, you haven't left the planet. And and you have to do that. It's it all comes down to cognitive dissonance. You know, it's believing that we live in an earth where you can pick something up and drop it, it hits the ground, and believing that things are controlled magically. Um, those two things just they just simply don't go together. But um, you know, again, I go back to one is outside of science. So if people want to believe that things happen magically, that's fine. We can't uh, we can't convince them otherwise. So. You know, at, at least accept what we can learn about the world. Well, Brian, have any uh, anything else uh, you want to add? Uh, let's see. What's going on next with you as far as uh, your plans uh, to take? Uh, you've got 250 down. Are you planning on for another 250, or you uh, <laughs> think you're going to hang your hat pretty soon? Oh no, I don't have any plans to hang my hat. I've got. Uh, um, about uh, about 300 episodes in my folder. Oh, uh, excellent! Going to keep you busy for another another five or six years at least. 
Um, I'm hoping a business model arises at some point because this is a lot of work. <laughs> um, and it's still not what I'm able to, uh, to do full-time professionally. I'm, I'm working on, I'm thinking of a push this year. I'm going to try and be doing um, my podcast and all the related projects um, full-time by the end of the year. Um, I'm also working on a video series. I take, uh, I take some of the most popular episodes, and I make three-minute videos out of them, and that's called In Fact, and it's online at infactvideo.com, and that's a fairly new project, and it's going really well. Uh, I hope to become better at making videos because it's a lot harder than making audio podcasts. Um, other than that, I just hope keep, people keep listening to my show, Skeptoid.com. Subscribe today. Well, let me throw one. Let me throw one other uh, production that you that you had that that I really like, and I've I've uh, given out to se- several of my friends is the uh, uh, Here Be Dragon movie. Uh, I okay. really like that as a as a as a great introductory to you know. Yeah, you you might want to think twice about that thing that you're you're swallowing or that. Yeah, it's an an introduction to to basic critical thinking: how to analyze the things that are all around us in daily life, whether they're advertising, whether they're stories that your friends are telling you across the office, uh, how to separate the solid from the silly, and um, just the basic tools that everyone should have in their toolkit to recognize what's real and um, and to properly analyze things. It's a free forty minute video. It's at here be dragons movie. Uh, what is it? Here be dragons dot com. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I should do my own URL. And I think you can find them all on YouTube as well. They're they're all on YouTube. Yeah, and uh, you can if you want a physical DVD, you can download it and burn it for free, or you can buy it from Amazon. Yeah, I, I had I had some friends who bought. Uh, have you seen this uh, Easy Water? It's supposed to be a water softener, and uh, they the salesman oh, yeah. the salesman came out and he tested their water and said, yep, you've had hard water. So they plugged in the easy water thing and said, uh, yep, now it's all fixed. And so I asked him, so did he test the water afterwards to see if it had become softened? And they said, no, he told us right up front that it would still test the same. It's just that the electrons were lined up so it didn't cause bad things to happen or something like that. Wow. And, yeah. and I pulled out that uh, uh, the next time I was up there, I, I brought up a copy of uh, Here Be Dragons to, you know, give to him. And, and, and it's like, you know, you, you got to think things through. You know, if they tested it this way, they have to test it again to see if there was a change. If there was no change. They did nothing. <laughs> there are many such products on the market as that. Uh, many of those water filter products cost, if they cost more than 20 bucks, they're a scam. A water filter is a water filter. There's just not that much to it, uh, and it filters stuff out of your water. These big, fancy machines uh, costing as much as $8,000, uh, this one brand that I investigated, they're simply full-on scams. They don't do anything at all. Um, you just simply add these mineral salts to your water, and that makes it test a little bit differently, and uh, they have a bunch of electronic circuitry that does nothing appreciable. They make up all kinds of scientific-sounding stories for what these electronics do to your water. They're they're simply laughable to anyone who's a chemist and who understands the basics of chemistry. Um, yeah, you got to be very careful of these water machines. Yeah. Uh, it's it's an area that's rife with pseudoscience and just ripping people off. People don't have basic science knowledge. Mm-hmm. This makes me wonder. I hate to go back for just a second, but. What what are probably one of the more one or two of the most common things that you're approached with or asked about that's quite easily the most dismissed? 
Um, is it is it like the supernatural or is it stuff like that or I don't know what's what's something that's so common you just kind of like oh all right I'll talk to you about this again. Yeah, it's it, it those are it's all medical claims. It's all alternative medicine stuff. Um, a, a special diets, these magical diets, um, they come and go so quickly. Um, you know, last month it was gluten-free diets, and yeah. the last couple of years it's been organic food, and it's just it's just kind of recycling these same claims that conventional science is flawed and evil and corrupt and is going to make you unhealthy and it's going to kill you and it's toxic, and our special product um, is uh, is magically natural and wonderful and pure, mm-hmm. and uh, it just, it just gets recycled so often and it's so tiresome and people spend billions of dollars on it and it just changes you know month to month year to year it's always it's always the next new thing um that it's not just food it comes to all kinds of supplement products and magical juices and it's funny that multi-level marketing schemes are always woven in so tightly with so many of these fraudulent products um you know they don't they don't hurt anyone they just perform what we call a wallet extraction they well, just, that uh, rip you off for a bunch of money. I would say I would say that that's hurting somebody. <laughs> I would think if it's well, it doesn't hurt you physically. Yeah, I, I guess. Mean, yeah, yeah. You know, switching to a gluten-free diet, it's not going to hurt you, but it has no plausible chance of of helping you or making you healthier or doing anything special for you, unless you're one of the very, very, very small number of people that actually has um, a gluten sensitivity, which is very rare. You, you know, in in the skeptic community, one of the things that probably I know it frustrates those of you that are, are engaged in in the scientific community and tr- trying to promote skepticism. But when when you find people who are legitimately suffering life threatening illnesses that are turning to these alternative medications, these alternative therapies, when all it's really doing is it's shortening their lifespan here and. That's got to be one of the most just depressing, discouraging things to see and hear, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's it can make it can make me outrageously angry. One one of my one of my best episodes, um, one of my favorite, and uh, it's a fan favorite, was called "Despicable Vulture Scumbags," and it was specifically about uh, the friend of one listener who wrote in with a friend who had just been diagnosed with ALS, um, Lou Gehrig's disease, the same disease that Stephen Hawking has. And uh, he was giving his money to some uh, alternative medicine company for a, a, a quack product. It was supposed to be some battery thing based on the writings of early 20th century celebrity psychic Edgar Casey. Hmm. And he was sending hundreds of dollars a month to use this thing that had no plausible chance of helping him. And it was it, it's tough because ALS is it's incurable. He's going to die from it. Right, it's gonna it's gonna be a very long, very slow, very painful road, and he's eventually going to die. He's treatable though. I mean, you can treat it. You can't cure it, but you can treat it. You can prolong his life. You can make him more comfortable, and you can perhaps increase his the length that some of his abilities stay with him. And it's so hard to for people to go to this person who's in that situation and tell him stop giving this charlatan your money because you want him to have hope. That's what people always say. Say, well, if it gives him hope, isn't it worth it? No, it's not. False hope, selling somebody false hope, taking their money to give them false hope that something is going to help them that's not, that's criminal. 
Yes. That makes me outrageously mad. And the other, the other side of that coin is just because your friend has this disease and just because he is the victim and, and he is suffering, that doesn't, that doesn't make, make him holy or, or make him give him the right to make it harder on his family and friends. He needs to, he needs to man up a bit himself and say, okay, I'm at least, if I, if I don't believe I'm going to be treated, I'm at least going to deal with this responsibly because it makes you people feel more comfortable. You can't, you can't give him a pass just because he's the victim. And I know that sounds like a mean thing to say, but he's not the only victim. All of his family and friends are affected by this, too, and they want him to be helped, and they're hurt by seeing him get ripped off. And I did an episode about this, and I heard several months back from the guy that it actually worked. They actually got this guy off of it. He was you know, he went through all the phases. First, he was angry, he was combative, and then he was sorry, and then he was mad. Um, you know, it went through the went through the whole thing, and um, but it got him off of it. I never heard what ultimately happened. It was uh, that was a few years ago now, but um, that was a that was a really emotional episode for me when I did it. I think you can hear it in my voice when I recorded it, and it really affected me personally at a at a at a deep level too. So I think that was an important episode. The false hope claim is really, I mean, that's evil. Yeah. That's evil. I, I tend to agree. I, I had a I had a friend who was a coworker who had a life-threatening cancer. It was in stage four. And uh, a friend of hers was telling her that she should go to Italy where there's this fountain or pool that if she bathed in, that it would prolong her life or cure her. And she was going to spend the the remainder of the money she had, and go there and do that. And it just crushed my soul. I I didn't even know what to say, frankly. <laughs> I guess that's why we have people like you, right, <laughs> to say that. Well, well, trying, yeah. At, at least it was Italy instead of the. <laughs> uh, we can think of some other holes that we can go to. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, maybe you should get a nice trip to Italy out of it. Yeah. At least that's that's not a bad way to spend your final days if there is nothing you can do. Very true. But um, uh, yeah, I mean you got to you got to keep in mind also that the, the 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 loved ones are also affected by this, and you know it's it's hurting them to see you get ripped off. Right. Yes, it it kind of brings to mind uh, uh, the what's the harm dot net website. You know, yes, uh, uh, Tim Farley, who's a, a good friend of mine and a great guy. His website is whatstheharm.net. Whatever the pseudoscience is, you name it, you think of anything. You can think of um, exorcism, homeopathy, um, belief in Bigfoot, whatever you can come think of. Go to whatstheharm.net, type it in, and it will tell you exactly what is the harm of believing this with specific examples um, of actual people who were harmed, killed, injured, taken for money, whatever, and you will never again be unable to answer what's the harm of believing in X, Y, or Z. Great website, Tim Farley. Excellent. All right, well, Al, do you have anything else you'd like to add? No, I, I'm really grateful to have uh, been uh, involved in this and uh, uh, get to uh, talk to, uh, to Mr. Dunning here. And, well, thank you. It's uh, it, it's always good for me to come on and hopefully reach a new audience. I, I really enjoy doing these. Yeah, and Brian, we'll be sure to put links to your podcast and, and some to your books on our website at mormonexpression.com. And and uh, I, I, I'm i a big fan. Uh, every podcast <laughs> of Skeptoid, it always goes with uh, – how, how does it go? It's like, I'm Brian Dun in the most level, professional-sounding <laughs> voice. 
I'm Brian Dunning. Do that for me. Do I'm Brian. I'm Brian Dunning from Skeptoid.com. Exactly. That's like a trademark. That's phenomenal. What's funny is when I was in I was in Australia. Hello uh, to all the Australian listeners. Um, and I was at I was at a conference in Australia, and they had me do that. They had me come up and say. And man, it was amazing. The audience just roared. That was the most fun they'd ever had. <laughs> way, way more than I get from the U.S. audiences. I, I, Australia just has some incredible density of people who are interested in science and critical thinking, uh, much more than the United States. It was really a fun trip, and I, I really like the Australian people. Excellent. Well, Brian, mostly because they cheer when I say my little intro. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, Brian, I really appreciate the time, Al. I really appreciate you joining me and uh, and setting all this up. I think this was a phenomenal discussion. Um, at the very minimum, I think if if anybody pulls anything from this, it's it's increase your level of critical thinking. Um, I think that's in, 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 vital, important for us as humans, especially to teach our young kids that. That's at least my little uh, plug there at the end. But uh, very. But I'd like to remind everybody that the discussion continues at mormonexpression.com. You can uh, find links to Brian Dunning's Skeptoid podcast there and, and uh, tell us about what you thought about the podcast and whatnot. But, yeah, thanks again, Brian. Al, appreciate it. Thank you. Have a good night. I'm Brian Dunning from Skeptoid.com.